Well, church, it is um, good to be here this morning. So good to see um, young kids getting dedicated, um, especially Emmy, uh, Emma and Addie. Um, just a, such a joy. And I hope you do understand that that part of, of commitment uh, to God, to commit yourselves not only to God, but also to the raising up of children. That's really what the body of Christ is and who we are about here and knowing that you have a role to play in the raising up of one another as we find and follow Jesus together. Um, if you're joining us, we're in a series called Lifeline, and we're going through the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer was uh, uh, his time where his disciples said, hey, could you, Jesus, as you teach us everything, could you teach us actually how to pray, like in a way that you, the Messiah, has come and prayed? And so he gave his disciples a way to pray. And we're coming to the end of the Lord's Prayer into a little section that might be sometimes a little weird for us, right? Give us this daily bread is an easy one to kind of live into, um, to ask God for his kingdom to come here, for things to be redeemed. God, forgive us. We got that. But then we get to this place called Lead us not to temptation and deliver us from the evil one. It's just a little weird. And as I was prepping for this, I thought about what does it look like temptation in your life? And so I wanted to share a little story uh, about my little mischievousness um, as a kid. Um, My mom was a Girl Scout troop leader. And if you know what being a Girl Scout troop leader, it's about really like raising kids to really, uh, girls to, to love God and to live the Girl Scout way. But the best thing for if you're a part of the family is what? cookies. And if you're a Girl Scout troop leader, the wonderful joy you have is, is that you get to order a massive amount of cookies, and then they bring it to you, and you put it in your garage, and you have mountains of cardboard and cookies, and you're like, oh my gosh, I gotta get rid of all these, or I have to pay for them myself. That was my mom and my dad's feeling, like, please, everybody buy these, otherwise we have to pay for them. But mine was like, oh, cookies. And if you know, like, back in the day, they're, like, cookies were, like, $4 a box, but now they're 6 But even as a kid, like, as a, as a 10-year-old kid, that was a lot. And so I didn't have or want to spend $4 on them. And so I kept asking my mom, like, Mom, would you buy one for me? Mom, would you buy one for me? She's like, no, no, no. We got to sell these to other people. Otherwise, I have to pay. And so as a good little boy, I said, okay, Mom, I'll listen to you. And then at night when they went to bed, I tiptoed downstairs into the garage, opened up my favorite box. Actually, I looked for the one, the cardboard box that was already opened, right? And making sure that the the, the one that I liked was there. I went into the box, and instead of, you know how all the boxes are faced up, and they have that little lip that you can reseal it? If If you're a sneaky kid, you don't open the top. What do you do? You open the bottom. And so I opened the bottom and I began to like eat some cookies, right? One from uh, one side and one from the other side. So that if you shake it, you still feel like it's even on both sides. And then I close it back up and put it back down. And I walk upstairs. And for multiple nights, I'm not joking, I did this. And so like, come to find out, so my mom pulls out these, and my favorite are dosi dos Not many people like them, so that's pretty good. So it wasn't until the end of the season, when they're coming to the end of the boxes, and then my mom comes downstairs, and she's ready to go out into the grocery store, and she takes this box, and it feels somewhat lighter than the rest of the boxes. Because I'm clever, but not that clever. Because after like a week in a row of pulling out cookies, it starts to feel lighter. And so my mom starts to, what does she do? She starts to just pull boxes up. And what happens? Everything falls out. And she immediately, 
And in our family's life, it's just always this. When something's going wrong, who do you yell for? Austin! And I'd be like, <gasps> like, and I ran and hide under my bed, because that's like the best part as a 10-year-old. Do you think your bed is like your safe spot? But I come and I remember that temptation of wanting to have cookies that I couldn't have, but finding a way to do it anyway. And I thought about this this morning, like, I don't know if your life is kind of sneaky like that, where you go in and you, um, you sneak cookies in the middle of the night, or maybe there's some temptation that's bigger. But the reality is, is that Jesus taught his disciples that this was a real part that they needed to pray regularly because it's to lead us not to temptation. Because we know that from the beginning of what our story is, in our creation and our relationship with Jesus and relationship with God, there is a temptation to walk other than towards Jesus. In every single way, whether it's cookies, whether it's in faithfulness to how we live in Jesus, and faithfulness in relationship with one another, whether it's spouse or in friendship, we have a propensity to take the temptation because it is a good and easy way. And so we want to uh, talk this morning about what does it look like for us to lead us not to temptation, but be delivered. And so if you want to uh, join me, um, we're going to read this together because our prayer, our lifeline is a reality this morning that we're going to talk about is at the end is that we need Jesus. We need God. And I know that might be simple, but think about it. How you live your life as a follower of Jesus Christ, does it witness and bear witness to the fact that we are in desperate need of God. So would you join me as we uh, read this? This is Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 9 through 13. Um, this is where the Lord's Prayer is. And so it'll be on the screen, or if you want to turn with me in your Bibles, um, this is Matthew. And so it says this. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us to stay our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Father, we come to you from a lot of different places. Some with a lot of baggage. Some today feels overwhelming just to get up. Because whatever we have left for the day um, is waiting for us. God, for some of us, the temptation is subtle. It's always around us, always invitational. But God, my prayer for us is that we remind ourselves that we don't need more ritual practices. We just need you. That as you have taught us to pray, we're not praying some empty, wordless, voidless thoughts and words. God, we're praying to you. For you are the revelation of the invisible God here, Jesus. So Jesus, would you send your Holy Spirit now amongst us? Would you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts willing to obey? God, we seek you. You are our God. We are your people. We ask this in your name. Amen.
when Jesus says, lead us not to temptation, that sounds really invitational. Like, I would really love to pray that prayer just as it is. Like, Lord, would you, in my life, lead me not into temptation? And that is sometimes a, a prayer that we are, are praying, and it is okay to pray. But lead us not to temptation is not something where we say that, God, we want to be kept from temptation or from hard times. Like, God even says that, Jesus says to his disciples, in this life you will have trouble. James also letter, says it later, it says, consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, consider it pure joys when you face trials of many kinds. So when we get to this text of, of Jesus t- teaching his disciples how to pray, in context of saying, Jesus says, we will find trouble and that we should consider it pure joys. What does it mean for us to be people who are not led into temptation? Because for most of us, when we pray this prayer, it is a keeping from the hard stuff. If we're honest, that I would love to live my life as a follower of Jesus without a lot of the hard stuff. I really would. It would make things easier. It would allow me to live and say, man, my God is good because I haven't faced many things that God has shown his goodness to me all the time and everything is rosy in cheeks. And so if you find Jesus, your life is going to get better. It does, but often we don't understand that this idea of giving and leading us not into temptation is a real part of what it means to find and follow Jesus. Like Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. He was tempted in the wilderness. That Jesus, even in his moment before in the Garden of Gethsemane, was like, Lord, if there's another way, please make it happen. But not my will, your will. See, temptation is not just an idea that we need Jesus. Temptation is this. Temptation is our confession about our weakness. And it is a reminder of where our strength comes from. Like confession of our weakness is a reminder of where our true strength comes from. That it's not to say that we want God to lead us away from temptation, but it's to say that in, say, God, lead us not to temptation because we are weak. I am weak. I am more willing, and I know the story and the history of humanity in my frailty to give over into temptation than to stand firm in the way of love and the way of Jesus. And so, Jesus, I need your help. I need you to send the Holy Spirit amongst me because I am tempted all the time to move in the directions opposite of you and I'm not strong enough. But often we live in contradictory to that statement is that we live and think, God, lead us not to temptation. That hard stuff. I can handle the rest. That we often live in our lives is that temptation comes and maybe you're better than me. Maybe you could have a bunch of Girl Scout cookies in your house and you never touch them. Good for you. But man, when there are good things in, in, in my house, when there is ice cream, when there is cookies, when there are Reese's peanut butter cups, guess what? I'm there. I'm there. I'm in a season where I'm trying to like take my health on more seriously, that I, that I'm trying to like eat better. And all of a sudden my wife goes away for the weekend and guess what? I'm like, hmm, that ice cream looks real good that she left. Oh, she left that chocolate. Yes. Kids, you want to have s'mores? 
awesome, right? Like we just get into this place where I'm like, I know the things that I should do, but my propensity is to say, I want that because it's easier and makes you feel good. Or you say this place of like, you live in a way to say, I actually can take care of myself and my temptations. Maybe you have a lot of more willpower. My wife has a ton of willpower, incredible amount. And I am so like in awe of her ability to say no and to live uh, strictly into what she's being called to, but I'm not. But often of us think of ourselves more highly than we do. We think that temptations can come our way and we say, Jesus, I actually don't need you to lead me out of temptation because I can handle this. I can handle not eating the cookie. I can handle not blowing up at my coworker or my spouse or at my neighbor. I can handle all of these things. Like, Lord, I don't need you to lead me in temptation because I can do it myself. But the reality is that Jesus, talking to his disciples, who I think, like, the disciples get a, 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 like, a good, harsh, bad rap from Jesus because they do some wrong things. But I also think that they're with Jesus. They're walking with Jesus. And he says this to them before he walks into the garden and he starts to pray. He says this to them. And if he says this to them, I think that we should take it for ourselves. He says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. What was the temptation? That Jesus wanted them to come and to pray for him as he interceded before he was about to be arrested, about before he was about to be crucified. He wanted them to pray for him. His, his best friends sitting there praying for him. But he said this, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. How many of you feel that deep in your soul? That your spirit is willing Man, but my flesh is so weak. I want to walk the way of Jesus, but my flesh is so weak. That confession then is to say, Jesus, I know my weakness. I know my flesh is weak. You know my spirit. You know what I want to do, but the way that I live is contrary to what I want. Paul says that. Why do I do the things that I don't want to do? Because the flesh is weak. Your confession is a reminder that we need Jesus. That finding and following Jesus cannot be done without Jesus. How many of us, including myself, I'm speaking to myself, have said I'm on this committed path to finding and following Jesus, maybe without Jesus? But only Jesus has overcome the world. Only Jesus is the one who has looked and has been tempted and said, I will say no to the temptations of the flesh and I will say yes to the way of God. But the temptations don't come from God. Jesus ends his time saying, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And often we read this or we have memorized it as, and deliver us from evil. But more often and not over um, since the time of Jesus, that it was translated not just as evil, as a generic evilness, but the evil one. And I think that's really important for us now, because if we just believe that there's some evilness that we're trying to be delivered from, we forget that the evil one is actually present, that Jesus actually was tempted, not by some generic evil that met him in the wilderness and was like, hey, what is this? But the evil one presented himself in temptation to Jesus to go an away opposite of God. That we need to just because the evil one is real. 
That Jesus, even in his prayer, as he taught his disciples to pray in Matthew, later in John, John says in his prayer before he's about to be crucified, in John 17, he says this. He prays this for you and for me. My prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, God. God, don't take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. Now, I'm not trying to be over-spiritual or saying, God, Austin, this is some Pentecostal stuff. What I'm saying is that we need to have a really healthy interaction that if Jesus was tempted by the evil one and that evil one had played a real uh, role in the temptation of Jesus and Jesus had a real understanding of what was going to happen after to his disciples and to me and you, that it was about the not just general evil, but it was the evil one, we need to realize that delivering us from the evil one is a real part of prayer that we need to pray. Because later in Paul, Talking to the Ephesian church, he said this. For our struggle, your struggle, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. My friends, the evil one is real. And working in your life to tempt you to walk away other than the way of Jesus. Every effort of the evil one is trying to convince you that you do not need Jesus. That maybe you just need yourself. That you can do it on your own. This is the role of the enemy. The one that Paul says, this is our battle. It's not against the things of this world, but against rules and principalities against the evil one. So what does the evil one do? If you don't know, I love coffee. I had a friend this morning um, mentioned that my wife is out of town, um, brought me some coffee this morning because bringing kids, three kids here by myself was one of the things that you dropped off coffee. And so I was dragging. And so when he sends me a text, he's like, hey, I'm bringing you black coffee. I was like, Lord bless you. Uh, thank you for sending the Holy Spirit upon my friend Nick uh, to bring me coffee. Amen. Hallelujah. If the Lord says bring Austin coffee, listen, it's the Holy Spirit. It's not the evil one. That's the truth. But here, I mean, seriously though, like the, the role of the evil one, it actually plays a real spiritual part in your life because the evil one is trying to convince you that you don't need Jesus. And we don't talk about this much. We talked about it uh, in, a, in a series previously about the evil one. But I want to talk to you about it because I actually didn't grow up like really thinking about like evil presence. I was just like, I just got to follow Jesus. And actually the only thing that's going to like hinder my walk with Jesus is myself. Right? Has anybody grown up that way where you felt like your walk with Jesus is only going to be hindered by the sin that you fall into because you decided to make a decision to sin and that you did it? And it was just, if you could just get a little bit better at not sinning, you'd be closer to Jesus. That's how I was raised. But the more that I come to, to be in relationship to Jesus, to walk with Jesus faithfully, to read the scriptures faithfully, I see the role of the evil one. And the role the evil one wants to play in your life is to do three things. And it says this in Revelation. So we just give some context as we talk about it. And Jesus is talking uh, to the church in Laodicea, and he says this. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. 
The role of the evil one is to make hot people for Jesus cold and to keep cold people cold and to leave lukewarm people away. Just leave them alone. Because even Jesus doesn't want to deal with people that are lukewarm. Like, if you wonder, you think, like, I don't really have a feeling of temptation from the evil one, and it might be a little hard question for you. You might be like, Austin, how are you going to say this? You know, I'm going to be super real about it. You might be lukewarm. You might not have an engagement with the evil one because the evil one isn't after you because you're just like, mm, I'm doing, doing this Jesus thing. He doesn't need to do nothing with you but to leave you to your own devices. But as you begin to pray this prayer, if you pray the prayer, the Lord's Prayer, and the way that Jesus taught his disciples to say, if you say your desires for the kingdom to come, for his will to be done, if you begin to say, God, I don't want to have this excess. I just want to live on what I need from you today. I am relying on my daily bread, not my excess. I don't want anything else. I just want my daily needs. And you are the only one that bring it. And that I'm going to forgive others as you have forgiven me, I'm going to confess my sins to you, God, so that I can get in a better relationship with you. And then I'm going to go to my brother and sister and I am going to reconcile with them. If you begin to do that, you begin to pray that prayer, guess what? You got a target on your back. And that's why he ends with this. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil. one. Because if you begin to pray and live in a way that puts yourself on fire to be a bear, a witness to Jesus, to your neighbors, to your friends, to your coworkers, to people that don't know Jesus, to strangers... The evil one is seeking you out. And he's not doing it in crazy ways. But if you think about coffee, if you're smart, you put it in a thermos that keeps it hot. But the evil one, he comes and tempts you, is not to come and to pour you out. But just to unscrew the lid. So that for a slow time, you leave it there to its own devices, that you begin to put little things that say, mm, I don't trust Jesus. Mm, maybe you can figure that thing on your own. And so you convince yourself that this faith thing is about your works and not about grace. That you begin to screw off the top and so you begin to be hot and you're like, I'm on fire for Jesus, mm, but maybe I'll just read the Bible a little less. Maybe I'll pray a little less. Maybe I'll stop listening to the Holy Spirit when he's moving in my life to live a certain way but I'm not perfect. I won't do it all the time. Just convince you to cool down. Cool off. Don't be a Jesus freak. Don't go and share the gospel. They're going to say no anyway. Is to take the top off your lid and let it go. But the other thing, this did have ice on it. Trust me, if you came in and touched it, like hot coffee is amazing. Cold brew is delicious. Right, we're about to, in a season, I don't know about you, maybe you Seattleites are like, it's always cold, so we always have hot coffee. Like, I know, I'm just saying, like, all you are like, are like, I love hot coffee, and I'm like, I love hot coffee too. But when the season changes, summer comes, people, there's goodness called cold brew coffee, you just gotta sip it. But as cold brew is good, your faith cold is not. The evil one's, the evil one's desire for you whether he's convinced you long enough to be cold is to say, yes, I have Jesus. I've prayed the sinner's prayer. I've gotten my certificate so that when I die, I'll go and I'll meet Jesus and I'll present him my certificate of my prayed prayer and I'm in.
they're cold. Jesus said, you, you'll be, the people will know you're my followers by the way that you love. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. You can't be a Christian and be a jerk. So to think. But the thing about this, and I love it, hot things can be made hot again. Cold things can be made hot. That your fear, the evil one, is not that you become lukewarm or cold and then you just have to deal with that. Or go in your own desires to say, man, if I just pray a little bit more, if I read the word a little bit more, if I get in groups a little bit more, if I start to serve on these teams that they need teams to, then maybe I will start to warm up. No, what you do is you put yourself in, into God's hand. You say, God, lead me not to temptation and deliver me from the evil one. Deliver the evil one that wants to turn me cold. And God, I am freezing cold because I've dealt with things in my life that I feel like you are not doing what you're supposed to be doing doing. God, I have faced things and I just can't seem to see how you make a difference in my life. But I'm laying prostate before you saying, God, I give up. I can't do this anymore. Will you begin to light a fire in my life again? He is a good, good father. He'll make cold things hot again. He'll make hot things hot again. But friends, even Jesus doesn't have any room for lukewarm. I don't know if you've left a coffee around and you drank it lukewarm. It's disgusting. <laughs> Jesus has no time for lukewarmness. And the way that the evil one wants to work at you is real. This is why we sit here and we pray, God, deliver me from the evil one. Deliver me from an evil one that wants to take away my passion and my pursuit of you and just cool it off. God, would you restore the joy of my salvation that I have lost this joy that I found in you once. I am cold. I don't even know if you're real anymore. But God, if I live, give myself to you, will you make me hot again? God can do it. God is asking you to pray, to put yourself and teach you to say, Lord, lead me not to temptation and deliver me from the evil one who wants to make me weak, who wants to make me feel worthless, who wants to make me feel like I don't have it anymore. But we fight the way the Lord fights. That Jesus, when he was tempted, if by the evil one, led with scripture. He prayed. And then he came out of the wilderness with his disciples. The friends, if we want to be delivered from temptation, if we want to be delivered from the evil one, we need to fight like Jesus fights, which means to be in the word of God to understand who you are and whose you are that we need to pray the Lord's prayer and say, Lord, I am want to walk your way. I want to pray your way. And so God, lead me out of that temptation to walk another way. It's not less prayer, it's more prayer. 
It's not less prayer because you can actually do the way of Jesus without the way of Jesus. It's more prayer because you realize that you are utterly dependent on him, not interdependent. Or independent. But then he comes out and he's with his disciples. Jesus isn't alone. He never says that you are a lone Christian. Never once. That we do it as a body of believers. He didn't teach Peter how to pray and then they prayed to everybody else. He taught them how to pray so that they would hold each other in accountability and brotherhood and sisterhood and fellowship as a body of Christ. That they would come together regularly in the encouragement so that they might grow in Jesus. Will you pray with me? Father, I just... I want to name it clearly. You know, there are some of us that are cold. That we've been put off about faith and we've been put off by you because we have come in circumstance in our lives and we've had an expectation of who you're supposed to be and we think you've fallen short. So we've given up. But we're on the edge of giving up. God, I pray that we would just say, Jesus, one more time. I give all of myself to you. Would you begin to restore the joy of my salvation? Would you fill me with the unconditional love that the Father has for me? And God, for those that are lukewarm, that are just due in this faith, because it's an expectation, God, I pray that you would say, I don't have time for that not as in a judgment upon us because you want us to understand the full weight of your love, your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness and in response not to be apathetic but to be in love. God, for some of us that are blazing that are ready to see your kingdom come Would you shield us from the temptation to cool off? The temptation of the enemy to say, it's okay if you don't share God's love this time. God, would you set us on fire? God, would you set us on fire at Pine Lake? Not that we make Pine Lake be an idol that we would bear witness to the love of Jesus Christ that he has for his people here in Sammamish. And in Seattle, in Washington, in this country and in this world. So God, come, set us ablaze so the world may know your love and know your grace. I know your mercy. May you know your truth. Yes, this in your name.